Hello, everyone, and welcome back once again to the Great Scott Podcast. Today, I am joined by Hollywood's bad guy, Mr. Jasper Cole. How's it going, Jasper? Hey, buddy. How are you? Thanks so I'm, much. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. I, I love your show. I've been listening. I just listened to the interview with Naomi Grossman, who I love. Oh, I love Naomi. Yeah. She's yeah. A, a bad person herself uh, in, in movies. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because she, like her, I always thought I was going to end up doing comedy, and <laughs> we both end up being like scare in scary projects playing these scary people, so go figure. One, one thing that I had asked her, and I'll, I'll ask you as well, is uh, are you good at um, auditioning? Because she said she's bad at auditioning. You know, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess... Uh, I booked jobs from auditioning, so I guess I'm okay at it. I, I don't I don't like it. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I love the whole self-tape thing now where we we do pretty much our auditions at home. And it had kind of started going that way about a year before the pandemic. So that I tend to like a little more, you know, but I'm sort of in the middle. I know some actors just hate it, some really love it. I it's sort of a, it comes with a territory, I guess. Are you kind of like in, in the middle of love and hating it uh, as far as auditioning goes? It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you have to kind of learn, you know, I tell actors, you, you kind of have to just make peace with it um, because we all know there's some really great actors who don't audition well. Then likewise, there's some, there's some people who audition really well, but they can't necessarily do much more when they get on the set you know so uh, it's kind of so it's a catch-22 in other words yeah so I'm kind of blessed to be sort of in the middle like it doesn't paralyze me but I it, you know here's the it's such a crapshoot I mean now with yeah I mean now with they get submissions from not just the agents and the managers it's it's all over the world and the self-submissions I always tell people just to get a effing audition is is the win now it's so hard yeah. you know yeah absolutely how have things gone for you in the uh, pandemic have you uh, worked much uh, during the pandemic well you know it's interesting to uh first of all it seems like 10 years so i try to think of like the year i didn't work i did yeah. in 2020 i did um a film called the fall with jeffrey dean morgan that's oh yeah um hopefully gonna scott mann um from the heist was the director. That was my first job and that was pre-vaccine or whatever. Um, and then really I didn't work again until 2021 20, when I, we shot um, the new season of the family business. And then we did some reshoots on the fall. So it's been pretty, but you know, it's interesting. So much, I got, I kind of made a little breakthrough into voiceovers over this period, which Again, that's a whole other genre where people talk about how hard it is to to break in, and it kind of fell in my lap. So, you know, I, I it's it's been that's been a blessing because again, you do that at home mostly. Um, I have my uh, voiceover closet, they call it, where you you go in the closet and you have to cover yourself up for the, oh, the yeah, sound, yeah. you know, that whole thing. So. But it's interesting because in the voiceover world, I'm playing the nicest guys, the friendly people, the, you know, the 
sort of that harmless kind of person because my voice doesn't always match this, <clears throat> which you know, on camera helps me sometimes. Because um, I might be the bad guy, but I think I'm usually the bad guy that maybe you like a little or there's a little vulnerability there or something. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to ask you uh, up at the top of the show, how, how, how did this whole bad guy thing start for you? Wow. Isn't it, you know, again, it's like we, we go into this business thinking we're going to go one way. And, you know, I, this is my, like Friday was my 34th year. I moved to LA in 1987. And the first morning was the wow. big early, uh, Whittier earthquake, which was, I thought, I don't think this is a good sign. The, the girlfriend I moved here with at the time, she thought it was a great sign. She thought it meant we were shaking up Hollywood, but I was 23 from Georgia and I was like, let me get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, but we we had written a play, a comedy, and we were co-starring it in, in Georgia and we brought it out here. And it was just like a, a Schitt's Creek, you know, that kind of heightened comedy. And so I always thought comedy would be my thing. So long story short, really the first, I'd say the first 10, 12 years of my career, you know, I was playing like the, the, the sidekick, the friend, I, I, I was lucky to work, but you know, I did the temp jobs. I was, um, I was a permanent temp at Ogilvy and Mather advertising. I was part-time. Everyone knew I was an actor. I was basically running my acting career from the front desk, but they would let me go on auditions. And when I booked a job, I could come back. And so it wasn't until 95, first of all, I sound so old. It was 95 when I got my first pilot. And I thought, mm, I think I might be able to make my living at this. So uh, it was really uh, when I turned 40, about 17 years ago, something, I don't know what happened. Like my face changed, <laughs> this whole thing started happening. And I booked this um, Michael Eisner, one of the very first web series called Prom Queen, which was one of the first out of the gate. And I played my very first bad stepfather to one of the leads. And I got good response from it. And I caught, you know what? I'm just going to lean into it. So I grew my hair out. I grew the beard. And it was just casting director suddenly had to start knowing me as like, oh, that's Jasper from before. I had to reinvent my head, sort of reinvent myself. Yeah. And it's been a it's been a godsend to be typecast because, you know, I, I tell I tell actors for TV and film, you you kind of want to get typecast. You know, you need to pick a lane and go on, go in that lane. It's, I, I kind of feel like I wasted, I guess you don't waste time, but if I learned that earlier on, um, I think I would have worked a lot more, but I don't know. I was that, I was that actor that people used to say to me all the time, Jasper, when you get older, you're going to work all the time. And I used to think, okay, well, what about the next 20 years? What, what am I supposed to do? I, yeah. I heard Naomi talking about Melissa McCarthy on, oh, yeah. you know, and just, I mean, on a, just a, small scale of how she just kept go showing up at the groundlings and kept doing her little shows and finally you know they were like so it's timing you know this career is all about timing i think yeah you're telling me uh that's pretty much show business <laughs> you know <yeah>. right <laughs> yeah i've actually uh been a production assistant uh before uh with stuff in california um yeah, you're you're not joking. I mean, for people who want to get into this business, it really is all about timing and uh, raw talent. Stay, 
and staying the course, you know, it's, um, I think with me, they finally were just like, God damn, is Jasper, is it Jasper again? Just <laughs> somebody give him a job, please. <laughs> and then, you know, work begets work and it, it's, it's a small, you know, it's a small world and a small community. Um, so I, and I tell young actors all the time, I, you know, I'm trying not to be that, like, that old guy on the set that's talking to these young actors because a lot of what I may say to them, the industry's changed so much, you know, because how it was for me is not how it is for them. They have social media and YouTube and they can just get their stuff out there um, so quickly now and quote, get discovered. Um, but I do try to, I try to tell young actors, you know, stop saying this whole thing about when I make it, you know, when I make it, cause it's, for me, make, I was, I guess I was sort of making it all along, but I was just so hyper-focused on making it that I, I didn't even enjoy a lot of the moments along the mm -hmm. way. Yeah. And people will bring up projects from like the early nineties. And it's not that I don't remember doing them, but I don't have a great memory of it because I was probably already there thinking about this is not big enough. It's not good enough. Why am I not the lead? When am I going to become the series regular? All those tapes in our head. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, so out of all the roles that you've had as far as being the Hollywood bad guy, uh, is there one for you that stands out that you just really loved, enjoy doing the most? That's interesting. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like picking it. I mean, for career-wise, when I did McGruber in 2010, that was... Or rather, let me, let me rephrase that. Which one paid you the most? Oh, McGruber. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why... Maybe that's why it's my favorite. <laughs> Come to think of it, that may be why. And it continues to pay. You know, yeah. that's a little film that just like... It, it didn't find its audience then, but it's found its audience now. And it, yeah. there's a series on Peacock. So... Uh, it, yeah, I think in terms of the trajectory of my career, that was a big step. It got me in the room with the Cohen brothers and I got to, you know, I got to go in a lot of meetings after that, even though, you know, the part didn't end up being a lot in the movie. A lot of that was working with dear sweet Val uh, Kilmer, but um, no, he's not doing too well right now. I, first of all, if, if, there, if anyone has not seen the documentary, um, his documentary, and I don't know if it's, you know, Hulu or Amazon or what. I've got all those apps, so I'm not sure which platform it's on, but it's a really yeah. riveting. Um, oh, it was touching. That was one of the most touching things I, I, I've seen. I mean, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Val cannot talk right now. Uh, he's he has a little throat problem and uh, doesn't look doesn't look good for Val. So, I think that was and, a that was a project of love for for Val. Just uh, he had his kids, kids involved and his ex wife yeah. and. Yeah. It, it was fascinating. I'm a, first of all, I I pick a documentary over as a viewer. I'm a, a an unscripted and a docu series person, maybe because I work in the scripted world and I kind of I watch something and I'm like I watch something and I'm thinking, oh my god, how hot was it that day? Or yeah. how long were they in those outfits? Or what was the food like? Who got food poisoning? <laughs> That's where my brain goes. So. <laughs> Yeah, but I think MacGruber was probably one of my favorite experiences. You know, I've been lucky. I mean, I do these, like I got to do this little low budget film called Hansel and Gretel, where I worked with um, Dee Wallace and I was a mute the whole movie. I had a twin brother and we were mutes. 
And that was one of the greatest challenges of playing this character without ever speaking, other than a lot of grunting and, and you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, I've been so blessed, honestly. I, I, I TV for me, I love TV. So, you know, getting to do a lot of the network shows, um, the characters on there are great. I, I you know. Yeah, that's that's one thing. I mean, uh, which uh, I... I I know what I what, what I want to ask, but I know that the question I'm wanting to ask is kind of like a, uh, you, so you like both sides. I was going to ask you, which side do you like most doing, uh, the TV or, or or the film? Well, you know, luckily, thankfully, there's there's really not a lot of difference, except, I mean, on the one-hour shows, you really do film it, you know, it's filmed. Um, back in my early career, when I used to get cast on the three-camera comedies, I loved sitcoms because it was like, I come from theater, so it was like the best of both. Um, I rarely, I don't, I haven't done a four cam, I haven't actually done a four camera show in years. So um, the pace of TV is a lot faster. I love to, I, I think I'm best on the first one or two takes. So the more takes we do, I, I feel I just sort of get worse. So I like it when it's, let's move it and go, get yeah. it and quit yeah. it. Now in TV too, they will set up three and four, they'll set up their master their close-up, they'll set up four cameras um, at one time. So you're you're they're getting all their shots in one or two takes, which is really good. You know, I tell I tell actors, don't don't get on a TV set hoping or expecting any kind of real direction. You know, uh, it's it's rare. It's great if you get a director that might give you a little direction, but pretty much when you self-tape, whatever you do on that self-tape. That's pretty much what they want you to do when you get on set. And then if you, you know, do that the first time and then they'll adjust you. But um, I remember when I first started in TV coming from theater, I, I thought it was going to be like we were going to rehearse. And, <laughs> and I remember I did this pilot and we did like one take and they're like, check the gate, moving on. And I was like, moving on to what? We do, are we, do we do that? So now I love the fast pace of it. And uh, not as many, well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this for one thing for film. I mean, uh, it's a lot of sitting around for, for film as well. Yeah, you know, they do, they pay us really to wait, which I, I'll wait all day. It's fine, I'm not complaining, <laughs> but <laughs> that, that is true. The only, the only, I mean, the little downside about that is, you know, you, you hurry up and wait, you hurry up and wait, you're, you're all like, try to keep your energy up, you've got this big scene. And of course, then it's always like, like when I, I did American Horror Story, and I remember like, it, the, then it was like, we're losing the light, Jasper, we got to go. Like you, you hurry, hurry, hurry. And then when they finally get to you, they're just throwing you in there. Like you got to be able to roll with it because, you know, they, they, they have no time left now. So let's just yeah. get it and go. Yeah, I got you. So I saw your finger was bandaged up. What, what happened to you there? Oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's, I wish there could be some amazing story but um i live i live <laughs> i live in palm springs in la but palm springs is really my full time so out here there are no street lights at night which i mean in the neighborhoods which people like because it's yeah you don't have light. but um i was walking i'm a big walker and i was walking and i i turned down a street that i'm not familiar with and i kid you not like there is a i well first of all i just went over top of something i didn't know what it was 
and I landed down on my finger and I have something called a mallet finger where the, the tendon got ripped. And so it's like your finger ends up bending like that. So I've had to keep this, look, it's that finger too. <laughs> well, screw you too. A, screw you was, too, Jasper. <laughs> it was a fire hydrant sitting in the middle of the sidewalk. It is just sitting there. That's where they put it. So yeah, yeah. So I've had nine weeks of wearing this thing. Oh man! So when when it's supposed to come off for you? Is it anytime well, this soon? Thursday? I go see the doctor and oh, probably okay. going to have to have a little surgery to mm. repair it. But wow. I keep forgetting I have it on there. So yeah, I I'm trying you. to keep it out of the camera. Now, uh, so all, all these bad guys. I mean, I, I was listening to another interview that you did and. Um, so one person had asked you, do you research your roles as far as uh, what you do? And uh, you said, uh, thankfully, uh, none of what you, I mean, so you've been around a lot of people with, with um, addictions and friends and family with that. And um, so that pretty much is your, it, 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 that is your, your research pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, you know, <laughs> we, I think any of us now in this day and time, we dealt with well, the, you know, I play homeless a good bit. I'm, um, the homeless crisis, especially in LA, is just oh, yeah, beyond anything I've yeah. ever seen. And you know what people what what I try to do is, you know, there's I don't want to just always do that that Hollywood homeless thing. You know, there's if you talk to homeless people, some are debutantes and trust fund kids, and you know, it's not necessarily all mental illness and drug addicts. So, yeah, I try to I I this is my method. I start from the outside in. A, a big part of me is I first want to know what is the character going to look like? What am I going to be wearing? What kind of shoes? Shoes are a huge part for me because the, what the, when you wear shoes as people, it affects how we move, how we walk, how we carry ourselves. So yeah. I'm more of an exterior inside actor first. And um, if I can get the look down, then I sort of work on where he's coming from and honestly though you get on the set it's like jasper just say your lines and get your mark because we we all need to get home in 10 out 12 hours so <laughs> yeah. don't make a meal out of it it's not brain surgery dude <laughs> yeah. i mean this is all the stuff you can do all the work internally you want but just don't get on the set and talk about it nobody has no joe the teamster guy you know who's pulling the cables does not need to hear about your mythology or your <laughs> <laughs> he wants no, to talk no, about the, the Lakers game and the Dodgers and shut the fuck up and let's go home. <laughs> nor, nor does Joe, the cable guy, care. No, didn't give a damn, honestly. <laughs> no, not really, no. no. I have no illusions about where actors are, where we are on the hierarchy. It cracks me up when I see these, like, diva actors, you know. I'm like, dude, you are so replaceable. They've got three people on hold right now that they will call immediately. Yeah, right. Scott Bayo is on hold. He will step in at any. <laughs> Scott Scott Bayo is he looking for work? <laughs> Will, Willie Ames and Scott Bayo are ready to suit up at any point. And all due respect to both of them, but I'm just saying, you yeah. are not special. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. No, I get what you're saying. <laughs> So uh, one of the roles that I uh, loved you in was uh, The Rookie. You had played um, a guy uh, named Crackhead Fred. Crackhead Fred. Love that show. In fact, there's still, talk you know, this is the other thing that happens. You go on a lot of these shows and they always tell you, oh, Fred's coming back, you know, because you've got a wife named Wilma 
and we're bringing Fred back. So I'm waiting, everybody on the rookie. I'm ready to suit up as crackhead Fred. Yeah, Fred was, I thought he was, a, I played him as sort of a sweet guy. You know, I thought he's, he's in rehab and he's gotten his 20 to 30 day chip or whatever it was. And uh, he was genuinely felt bad. He couldn't help the cops with their, what they were looking for. So um, that, yeah, that, that's a great show. I mean, that's an example. I have worked with, so those producers, Jonathan Littman and Dan Cannon, all those guys, I mean, I did CSI, The Forgotten. You know, you go back and think about, that's the other thing, like you work with these producers and I'm, I might audition for a show 30 times before I ever, if ever, book a job. Like years ago on The Shield, the running joke, you, I auditioned so much for The Shield that the casters, Wendy Widman, would say, Jasper, do you have a parking space here at the <laughs> lot? Never booked it. But then, like, a couple of years later, I booked The Forgotten and CSI. So, you know, if they're, if they're having you back continuously, just to all actors listening, they like you. You're on the right path. They just have to find the right part for you. And there's so much that happens, you know, the showrunner, the executive producer on a show has the final say. It's really not the director. And, you know, the showrunner has other actors they want to work with and friends. And just just know that if they keep calling you back, it's not because you're a loser. They would not call you back ever yeah, if yeah. you talk up the room. So, Absolutely. Now let's talk about one-on-one -on -one with, with Jasper Cole. Oh, yes. Now, see, there are example where... I started that because I, you know, I wanted people to see my real personality, which is a lot lighter and, you know, friendly and fun. Yeah, and, yeah. And um, I, I'm very opinionated. You know, I'm very much into pop culture, and I was really into politics during the last five or six years. Now my my guy won, so I don't have much to say. You know, that's typical, right? Oh, the guy I liked is in the office, so everything's perfect, which it's not. But um, I'm not quite as obsessed with it. But yeah, so um, we're in our 10th season. I started, it was called um, On the Set with Jasper Cole, which was all entertainment-related guests. It was a two-hour live show, and we had lots of guests. And then six years ago, I, I took it down to just one-on-one -on -one with Jasper Cole, and so I could be a lot more intimate and have these kind of discussions. You know, The other show was like a big party train wreck fun and this is much more one-on-one -on -one with me and i have a co-host ralph cole jr um and we're live we, we used to be in the studio but now we're just live every thursday night at 6 p.m pacific and then you know we're on all the platforms itunes iheart spotify you can go to jaspercole.com and there's an icon for the uh, show there i love doing it i I've met so many amazing people and like, I'm sure you feel the same way. Um, it's just great because I yeah. think of someone like, man, I'd really like to meet Jody Watley or something, you know, that's just a guest of mine I've had. And you just think, can I get her, you know? And then, you, you know, you're having this great conversation with these iconic people and not, and for me, I do, no, they don't have to be celebrities either. Like I have an ongoing series about the homeless crisis. Um, it's called the the heroes and horrors of home. Now it's called the the unhoused or the houselessness. You know, um, I do that. Try to do that once once every three months. Um, and then I have a show called Breaking the News where we just talk.
politics. Um, so yeah, I, I love doing it. Yeah, was that something that you had started like during the pandemic as far as uh, just keeping your, yourself busy? Well, actually, I started at nine, 10 years. When I, did, when I was on the press junket for MacGruber, I was doing a radio show in LA and the guy that owns the station said, have you ever thought about doing a radio show? And I said, about what? Who the hell wants to hear me talk? And that's when we came up with the idea about the entertainment industry because I, you know, I've been around a long time. So that's how the first show started. Um, and I, this was great during the pandemic to be able to be home doing it you know, on Zoom and on the phone. Um, so most of all my guests now call in or Zoom in. Um, and it's because before they would have to come into the studio in LA. Yeah. yeah. So another kind of great, not great thing, but another something good that came out of the pandemic was getting to, I think, having more guests available because they can call in. And you said that one-on-one uh, -on -one is uh, on every platform. You can go to jaspercole.com and they can find one-on-one uh, -on -one with you. And um... yeah, all the uh, all the past archive shows and um, upcoming stuff. And then you know we have a one-on-one -on -one Jasper Cole page on Facebook, Instagram. I'll be sure to uh, include the link to it uh, when I post this uh, interview. Oh, thank you. Okay, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. We love. I I love the the fans and the people and. It's just so fun to show a different side of myself that's not always killing people <laughs> or getting stabbed or shot right. myself. <laughs> yeah, true. I rarely survive anything. So that's why the family business, I'm so thrilled because they didn't kill me in in the season. I mean, I'm still alive, which means hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll I'll be back in season four. But um, it's been years since I've not been killed. On so, a you're project. Like, so you're like a human cat with uh, nine, <laughs> nine, twelve different lives. <laughs> I have a lot of death scenes on my reel. You know, it's very, it's interesting. You try, you try to, you try to not do the same thing every time. But it's, it's, I mean, how many times can you? How many different faces can you have <laughs> yeah. when you're being stabbed or shot? <laughs> true, true. Well, Jasper, thank you so much for your time, sir. It's this has been a pleasure. It's an honor to meet you. Thank you. Keep up your great work on the with the with the podcast and everything you're doing. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Take care.